0: Hello and welcome back to Redirected. My name is Andrew East and this is a show where we sit down with celebrities, athletes, entrepreneurs, really anybody who has experienced a pivot or change in life. We all go through them and so I wanted to sit down with people who have made it through the transitions well to not only glean some wisdom but also hear some pretty good stories. And today we are continuing our Forbes 30 Under 30 series where we sit down with people who are redirecting the future and have big ambitions and visions for what uh, the next decade or so is going to look like. And today's guest is Nicole Hardson Hurley. She and her co-founder Sargun Kar co-founded Byteboard to improve the technical interviewing process, particularly for women and people of color with identity-blind software that assesses engineering skills through real-world projects. The startup is being incubated within Google's Area 120 Accelerator, but has also signed on customers like Lyft, Betterment, and Alphabet subsidiary Waymo. So I love the mission and vision behind this company, and Nicole as a, as a whole is just an awesome person. I had a really good time talking with her. And if you want to find out more about Nicole and what she's up to, I'll link that information down below. But uh, I think it's important. I mean, the whole mission behind Byteboard is to hire people based off their merit and fit for a job, what their qualifications are, and are they well-equipped as opposed to other factors such as their gender or race. And so I I just love what they're up to. So we'll link information down below. And before we get into it, please subscribe to the show and give it a rating uh, on whatever platform you're listening on. Without further ado, I bring you Nicole Hartson Hurley. Nicole, it's a pleasure to meet you. I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna beat around the bush here. I wanna jump in real quick and talk about on your LinkedIn profile, you say that when you're not dancing or jamming to show tunes, you're working at Byte. What, what are your show tunes that you prefer listening to?
1: Oh my gosh, that's, thats I was not expect, expecting <laughs> that question. That's great. Um, so I, I actually do musical theater on the side. Um, so when there isn't a pandemic happening, um, I, I usually try and do you know a show a year. So this year I actually did West Side Story back in February. Last year I did this musical called Once on This Island. Um, and so yeah, just like try and find space for that because it's one of my passions. But
0: is Cinderella next? Because I, I heard awesome? you and, and it actually got stuck on my head ten minutes ago. I...
1: <laughs> did you, wait, did you listen to that on my Instagram?
0: Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> I'm I'm a, a seeker of fine art, Nicole, all right? Oh
1: my goodness, that's hilarious. Yeah, that was me in a vocal lesson with one of my vocal coaches. It's I, actually been
0: I actually was watching too your um I think it was when you were at Stanford but you directed some play. And, oh my uh,
1: goodness, you totally stopped me. This I did. I did. No, this uh, is my job and uh, I can do yeah, it shamelessly. I I directed a one act actually. Um it's actually my only directing experience while I was in school, but Wow. Interested in potentially getting back into directing, so we'll
0: see. So I don't often share this, but one of my favorite things in life is live theater. I love it. I don't like like musical movies or things like that, but live theater, oh my gosh, gets me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite show you've seen? All
0: right, so the probably actually the most recent. It's been a couple of years, but we went to go see Hamilton and it was just insane. That's it's obvious. funny. Yes. My wife, Sean does not like theater, like doesn't like it. Really? So she, she kind of, you know, it's yeah. expensive tickets, but she sat through it. Um, but I actually did theater in high school too. I did, oh. um, uh, shoot. I can't, the, the man, I can't remember this Music stupid. name, Huh?
1: Music man.
0: No. Oh, no? dang it. Now I'm embarrassed. Do
1: no, you remember what it was about?
0: test my knowledge it was like a, uh, a corporate it was about a guy trying to get a job i think oh my gosh
1: how to succeed in business huh how to succeed in business
0: no dang it i'll i'll let oh, you know no. what it was after anyway that <laughs> we was tried. that it's was okay. besides the point yeah yeah um i did enjoy <laughs> no, that's that
1: awesome. hamilton's amazing did sean like hamilton
0: um no she didn't like hamilton she didn't like <laughs> hamilton we went to go see the book of mormon and, and wicked and all and she just yeah i know but I geek out oh, over man. it. So listen, I, I love to hear about people's foundations that kind of sets the context for why they're interested in what they're doing now. So if you could talk about you know, what it was like for you growing up, maybe even what your parents did, any indicators that have led you to where you are?
1: Totally. Um, so I grew up in San Diego. Um, both of my parents are teachers. I often joke that I'm like the only person in my immediate family who didn't study math or become a teacher um and, and in all honesty i thought i was going to be a math teacher because that's all i knew my my mom's a math teacher and my dad taught math my sister taught math uh, my mom's now a school principal so i kind of was always surrounded by educators and um and so i, I kind of grew up thinking i was, I was going to kind of take that path because i think you you often you know the the things that you see are what you want to do mm-hmm. um and so it wasn't until I was in high school when I went to a, um, a camp put on by the Rotary Club of all things, wow. um, where they basically, yeah, it was very random. I like applied to it my junior year um, and it was like a weekend event where they basically got a whole bunch of juniors across San Diego together um, to basically go to this social entrepreneurship camp. Um, And the idea was, they brought all these students together, they split us up into teams for the weekend. um, And what we had to do in our teams is basically come up with an idea um, that either, you know, impacted or motivated some type of positive social change, um, while also being some type of enterprise. Um, And I had like so much fun. I was like, oh my goodness, what is this thing called entrepreneurship? And I was like, maybe this is something that's really interesting to me. I think I, you know, I I saw teachers growing up. I knew theoretically about, you know, I could become a lawyer or a doctor, but I didn't really ever think about, oh, I could potentially start a company someday. Um, And this was kind of the first time that I saw like, oh, you can like come up with an idea and it can potentially have real impact. Mm. um, And and you can kind of, you know, make it happen um, and really kind of birth something into the world. And so, did that. We ended up winning the competition at the end of the weekend. And so I was addicted at that point. Um, And so when I went to college, um, I ended up joining like a social entrepreneurship society in my freshman year. I was really, really interested in like figuring out a way to potentially start a business that could actually have, you know, some type of positive social impact. Um, and then while I was at Stanford, I ended up, you know, I thought I was going to be a math teacher still, maybe, um, didn't actually really love, like still love math, but didn't really love studying math, um, in college and ended up finding my way over to the computer science department. Um, and it's really funny because I, I started at Stanford and I was like, I'm never going to do computer science. Whole bunch of people do computer science. I, I guess I wanted to be alternative or something. Um, I also think to some extent I didn't believe computer science was for me, Hmm. um, which I think you'll hear from a lot of people. I think we have conceptions around what computer scientists look like. And I think quite often those people don't look like me. And so I didn't think it was a space for me. Um, And then while I was at school, I took a computer science class and I was like, oh, actually, this is really cool. Hmm. Um, And I actually really enjoy this. And it allowed me to kind of like still have my math love, but also build things, which kind of obviously bringing together this idea of entrepreneurship and Um, And, and, you know, you know, actually creating real things that people can utilize. Um, And so got really interested in computer science, ended up discovering this major called symbolic systems, which is um, kind of a weirdo Stanford major. It's an interdisciplinary major. I was about to Um, say, what is that?
0: (laughs) It says human computer interaction. I was like, I don't know what we're talking about here.
1: Uh, So symbolic systems is a Stanford interdisciplinary major. It's basically a mix of computer science, psychology, linguistics and philosophy. Um, and basically the idea is you think about how, pe- you learn about people. So linguistics, how do people you know, communicate? Psychology, how do people learn and process information? Uh, philosophy, how do people reason? And then applying all that knowledge to build better computers. Mm. And so there are multiple kind of concentrations within this major. There's artificial intelligence and then there's also human computer interaction which is thinking about how do humans interact with computers and how do you build better computers for people. Um, And so I was like very interested in this. I was always really interested in human psychology um, and it combined this kind of love for building things. Um, And so kind of throughout that process, I I really fell in love with engineering and design um, and then ended up joining Google. um, And during my time at Google, funnily enough within the first like four months of my time there, there was this social entrepreneurship startup weekend,
0: wow. um,
1: and so I was like, obviously, I have to go to this because, um, like, that had always been a passion of mine even since you know my junior year of high school. Um, so I go to this social entrepreneurship startup weekend, um, end up you know working again on a team with people to come up with an idea and then pitching it at the end of the weekend. Didn't end up winning, um, but I met my co-founder um, wow. at that event, which is super cool. Um, and so uh, we met, her name is Sargon Carr. Um, we we started chatting, ended up grabbing lunch afterwards. Um, and that's kind of where the idea for Bikeboard started to come about. So so yeah, it's all weirdly connected, right? Yeah,
0: that's, no, that's, that was really well done what you just summarized there, uh, a lot of years <laughs> for sure. It is interesting at first glance, knowing that your theater is your passion and show tunes and music, you know, this creative side of you, when you look at yeah uh symbolic systems and computer science it seems like complete opposite in some ways but then i wonder if if you view yourself as uniquely qualified given your creative side to speak to how computers can learn that about the human you know experience
1: yeah that's that's interesting i feel like um my sister and i often talk about this because our our mom is you know, like I said, she studied math always really, really, you know, I think because she's a teacher, we like started learning math very young. I think we were really fortunate in that in that way. So we kind of have this like logical side of ourselves mm-hmm. kind of instilled by my mom and then my dad. In addition to he studied math, but he's, he's a graphic designer, too. And so we kind of watched him um, as a graphic designer and learned from him in that capacity. Um, and so we always talk about we're kind of weirdos because we, we like have this artistic creative side And we also have this logical side and we're always trying to figure out ways to merge them mm. um, And I think in a lot of ways I think math and computer science it they are creative disciplines You're coming up with creative ways to solve problems. And so I think um, You know, there isn't actually that much difference, um, but I think we can often think about them as very separate Um, but I do think in symbolic systems and specifically in human computer interaction, it, at least at Stanford was very much a mix of design and engineering. Um, and so like, I think in a lot of ways it was allowing me to kind of do both of those things. Mm. Um, and I think that's kind of always been my journey is like figuring out how to balance the like engineering logical side of myself with the like designy, creative part of myself. Um, and so, yeah, no, I think it's 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 definitely a very real thing, a part of my path.
0: <laughs> well, Nicole, if there's one thing we can relate on, it's the fact that neither of us enjoyed the college math uh, experience. I
1: well, it's not that I didn't like it. It was I actually I, I ended up you know I did my first year as like a math major. I enjoyed my math classes, but I ended up feeling like the computer science teachers were actually just better teachers. Mm. Uh, I think like they're really like smart like mathematicians at colleges, but often like the best teachers aren't necessarily there at research universities. Um, and I found like really amazing teachers like computer Science Department. So I kind of wish I had good teachers in math because I still really loved it, but yeah.
0: Gosh, I just even, well, even like the classroom, like the tangible classroom, it was always for me, like the most the concrete, percent. boring <laughs> thing. And I was like, I don't like anything about what's going on right now. So for me, yeah. it was that I, I did not enjoy it. Uh, yeah. Although it sounds exactly. different for you, but it is interesting i i uh recently read a book called Essentialism, and he talks about the importance of play and kind of just mm-hmm. how it engages that side of your brain where it 's like you 're experimenting you 're learning you 're curious in like different ways, whatever play looks like for you and it totally. first of all that 's become so much more real for me being a father of a one year old who now like that 's the mm-hmm. the main basis for her learning right Absolutely. but then I feel like at some point. Maybe in the classroom, I think for sure beyond that, it seems like the, the technical or like the STEM um, d- genres separate that creative side or the people in those genres feel pressured to, to not engage that side of their brain when like really you look at it and those two should always be merged. Like just like you were saying, I think it's it's best when – when the technical and the creative side kind of interact and it's anyway that was my deep thought of the day but
1: no I totally agree it's so funny my um my mom's an elementary school principal um and she uh was working on kind of the um the philosophy of her school when they when they started it and um she made it a stem school so science technology engineering and math um initially and I was like Mom, you should make it a STEAM school, which is science, technology, engineering, art, and math. Mm. Uh, and I was like, I think it's really important for you to like make make art a part of this, and and not make people feel like they're these very separate things. And um, and I think especially with engineering and and design, how integrated they are, you you can't really separate them out in that in the way that we often do. Um, and I think she ended up making it a STEAM school, and they, you know they'll put on you know awesome like shows with the kids in addition to like. These kids are like coding in like second grade, wow. insane. Um, but I don't know. I think it's exciting to see that be a part of the approach. So
0: wow. So you met your co-founder through Google and the social entrepreneurship program. Um, how soon after that was it? Like, all right, let's let's create Byteboard. This is something that we we need to actually form.
1: Yeah. So um, we we ended up grabbing lunch. I think like maybe a couple weeks after that event. Um, and we ended up talking about, um, I, was, I was interested in actually potentially going back to school at this point. I was thinking about going to design school because um, I, I, I was hitting this point where I was like, you know what, I, I think I, I really miss the, the creative aspect in all honesty. I was like, I think I, I, I want to, to dive even deeper into um, like technology design. Uh, and my co-founder was an engineer at Google also, really interested in potentially going to design school, um, and so we ended up talking about you know building a case study actually for a design school application. Which what you'll often do is like pretend you're building a company and go through the design process for that thing. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I have to build out my portfolio and do some case studies. Do you want to meet up and do that with me? Um, and so we ended up getting together to actually work on a design portfolio wow. of all things, um, and. Uh, kind of where we started with that is we, and the crazy thing is, you know, I feel like you, you say you're going to do these types of things. You say you're going to grab lunch with someone. You say that you're going to like get together to do a case study and you never end up doing it. But I think we we actually, you know, like did all of those things and um, it was kind of magical what ended up happening when we got together into, the, into that brainstorm room. Um, and so where we started in terms of like, okay, we want to build a case study is we started talking about problems that were really important to us. Um, so we talked about like civics and uh, civics tech that we could build. We talked about health tech. Mm-hmm. We talked about, um, I think we talked about police brutality and are there, are there things that we could do to, you know, um, look at data around what's happening in, in, in the police brutality space and, um, and potentially lead to, to real change that we wanted to see. <laughs> um, and then we ended up talking about diversity and tech. Um, and I think as being two women, two women of color, um, we've, we've seen that the tech industry doesn't really look like us and we wanted to figure out a way um, to, to potentially contribute to the effort to diversifying the tech workforce. Um, and so we, we kind of came up with ideas in all of these different spaces of all things. Um, and um, in the diversity and tech space in particular, we started talking about kind of how people were approaching um, that problem. And what we saw is there was a lot of work being done in the education space, um, making sure folks had the skills that they need. There was a lot of, you know, work being done in the sourcing space, making sure that candidates were getting opportunities to interview. Um, but there wasn't a lot of innovation happening in the interview space. Um, and really, when we started talking about our experiences, we realized that we had experienced a ton of anxiety when it came to technical mm-hmm. interviews. We were often, you know, spending like, weeks studying textbooks about you know um, theoretical concepts in order to prepare for these interviews and we would walk into the rooms and and often feel just like so much anxiety and feel like we weren't actually able to demonstrate our skills Um, and we started talking to our friends and realizing a lot of people felt this way about these interviews Um, and I think it turned a light bulb on for us where we said hey is there a way for us to actually develop a better form of technical interview that actually assesses for the right skills because quite often interviews as they currently stand tend to assess for skills that aren't necessarily what you will actually be using on the job. Um, and can we do it in such a way where we're actually, you know, giving everyone a fair opportunity to demonstrate their skills by reducing candidate anxiety and ensuring everyone uh, really feels like they can, they can show what they can do. Um, and so it started with just like that idea. And then we, we were hooked on, you know, maybe we really need to actually solve this problem. And that's really where where was born.
0: Wow. So, yeah. first of all, when you look at the Byteboard website, it's very clear you're both design uh, oriented people. It is beautiful. Side oh, note, another you. insignificant thing purple is my favorite color. Uh,
1: I know I so, love purple too. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But yeah. I'm curious. So, you talked about the issue. What is Byteboard and how does it help that issue?
1: Yeah. So, obviously, we're a technical interviewing solution. Um, so, what that means is we basically work with companies so that um, they can use our interview instead of, you know, a typical interview process. Um, And like I said, technical interviews as they're traditionally done, tend to focus on kind of highly theoretical skills. So what you might learn in a computer science classroom rather than, you know, what you actually do on the job as an engineer. So what that'll mean is you'll have engineers who are working at amazing companies, spend literally like months preparing for these interviews. Uh, So really what we wanted to do is actually flip the interview on its head and really try to create an interview that actually assessed for the right skills. Mm. Um, so what the bikeboard interview looks like is honestly kind of like a day in the life of an engineer squished into a about two hour exercise um, where candidates actually, you know, have the opportunity to read about a project, collaborate, collaborate asynchronously with kind of um, our fake simulated engineers, as well as actually implement a real project um and so really we want it to feel like okay i am i'm actually demonstrating my skills um, and and actually doing it in such a way that i would i would actually do on the job as an engineer and then after a candidate finishes that that interview we actually fully anonymize all of their materials and we grade their interviews completely anonymously with no you know no idea who the candidate is um alongside a very structured rubric to ensure that we're limiting the bias um throughout the interview process so really trying to make the interview assess for the right skills, and then also make the evaluation as fair
0: as possible. So that's that's what you mean when you say it's a blind interview process. It's blind,
1: yes, yeah. Wow, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So,
0: sorry, this is a technical question it. or process question, but you're the the middleman between like what the company wants and evaluating the the interviews. So you guys go through. Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah, exactly. So basically um, how it actually works is like a company will 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 work with Bikeboard and basically they'll have a candidate that, you know, they're really excited about and that candidate will receive an invitation to take a Bikeboard interview. They'll go through our interview experience. Um, we will grade that candidate and then we will give that report back to the company um, and then they'll make a decision regarding if they want to move forward with the candidate.
0: Wow. So, and so you've yeah. worked with companies like Betterment and Lyft and Waymo. Yeah. Big, like heavy hitting yeah clients there
1: pretty awesome yeah it's pretty cool um yeah we've worked with um lyft was actually one of our our first clients uh we we started working with them um in our first year and it's been you know this is our third year working with them which is amazing and super exciting And they're such an awesome team um but yeah we were working with dropbox and betterment and and robin hood and just like really really awesome companies that we're so lucky to to have the chance to to work with
0: nicole are you uh familiar with the 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 double blind violin auditions for orchestra. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Of course.
0: Can you walk me through that? Or sorry, you, you do a better job explaining yeah. that to the audience than I No, so.
1: Yeah. So, so um, basically um, a while back, I don't know actually when this study was done, but I think it was a, it was a long time ago um, they found that um, women who were uh, auditioning for um, positions in orchestras were, were disproportionately not getting hired. Um, and so there was an experiment done where they actually um, put a, a, um, a like,
0: curtain. curtain
1: up so that no one could see who, who was actually you know performing behind the curtain. Um, and they saw that basically there were equal number of women and men getting hired after that. And so I think it was a very clear demonstration that there's actually gender bias that happens when we're, when we're trying to hire candidates uh, for any job. Um And figuring out ways to you know remove opportunities for that bias to get into the system is really, really important
0: so we we spoke a little bit earlier about the anecdotal uh experience that you had with anxiety, but yeah the the problem is large, and there's stats, and I yeah. think you know we came across that women are seven times more likely to stop interviewing after. Uh, a negative experience. Technical
1: can, interview experience yeah. yeah. Can you yeah. talk about
0: that and some other stats that are just indicative yeah. of the problem?
1: Totally. Yeah. So, um, basically we find that, um, technical interviews as they currently stand are not generally not predictive of, of whether or not a candidate's going to be successful on the job. Um, and in fact, we'll see that, you know, most candidates actually bomb technical interviews. So it's something like, I think, Thirty percent of candidates, or something, like bomb technical interviews, even when on average they have a very strong technical interview mm. experience and performance. Um, so what that means is maybe I'm interviewing at a company I'm really really excited about, and typically I do pretty well, but out of nowhere I bomb this technical interview. And the part part of the reason for that is the the material that we're actually assessing for is quite often highly theoretical, not actually related to the job, and really dependent on whether or not I studied the material in advance, which means if I didn't study that specific thing that they asked for, maybe I unexpectedly bomb this interview. Um, However, what the stats show is that even though most people bomb technical interviews, women are seven times more likely to stop interviewing after a poor interview experience. And I think there's a lot of reasons for this, I think, anecdotally, when I think about my experience when I had poor technical interview experiences was that, you know, like I said, quite often engineers don't look like me and what I think of as an engineer doesn't necessarily look like me. And so when you go through a technical interview experience and you do really poorly, it validates that, you know, voice in the back of your head that tells you maybe this discipline isn't for you. Um, and, and I don't think that's true. Um, but I think when there are particularly folks that, that, you know, stereotype threat is a very real phenomenon for them when they walk into rooms that people don't typically look like them. They're scared that maybe someone doesn't think that they're going to be good at go for it. Well, you, said,
0: you said stereotype threat. Is that what you said? Yeah. I've never heard. Yeah.
1: of. Yeah. Yeah. So stereotype threat is a, um, it's a term that basically describes when there are stereotypes that negatively inform, you know, um, how people think about your identity. Mm quite often you're aware of those stereotypes, Mm. which means that you walk into situations um, potentially impacted by your perception of how you think people are going to perceive you in that situation, right? So for example, um, they find that on um, like standardized tests, if they ask for race or gender information before the test, you'll see that women and and students of color actually do worse on on the test versus if they ask it after the test. Mm. Um, So it's just like, Oh, I'm supposedly not good at math according to the stereotype, and now there's that seed of doubt that's in my head that is actually going to impact my performance um,
0: like a priming mechanism there. almost like uh, you know they there's all these studies about even athlete. athletes exactly. where it's like, oh, you know you listen to yeah. a certain type of music before you perform and you do better or whatever it thing. is, and it's the it's the the uh antithesis of that where it's oh i'm a exactly. I'm a black male, this person, whatever, right yep, yeah. wow. That is I think that's
1: right. Like if you walk into a room and you think that someone's going to, I think we're always kind of a, a, aware of what people are potentially thinking about us. And that can often get in the way of us just being ourselves. Right. And actually showing what we can do. And I think especially in a hiring context, like the the potential impact is actually really, really terrible. Mm. Um, and so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, I think, especially when we're looking at interviews and seeing like the potential result of a, an interview experience that is so inconsistent that almost everyone is is actually bombing it The fact that women are seven times more likely to to leave the pro, the, the hiring process after that and actually decide maybe engineering isn't for me um, It's just it's a really unfortunate impact and I think Damn. we're really dedicated to figuring out ways to make the interview more consistent so that you know Everyone has the opportunity to go through an interview and actually feel like it was a fair evaluation of their skills and their ability
0: Wow so you you mentioned the disparity in the tech industry as a whole do you have any insight on into what that looks like um, from an outsider like i don't i'm not fully in the loop about that
1: yeah i don't i don't have the exact numbers but they're really bad really? <laughs> um i know i know at really large tech companies you'll see like um you know five percent or less um of 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 the the community being black engineers um you'll see you know 30 or less being female engineers and and hitting 30% is actually pretty good, Mm -hmm. uh, which in my opinion, not that great. (laughs) Um, And so I think there's huge opportunities for improvement um, kind of across the board, Um, but you can actually go online and and most companies actually publish their diversity reports, uh, which is awesome, that's been very normalized across the tech industry to actually say, you know, this is where we're at and we wanna do better. And so you can find kind of all of that information online for most large scale tech companies.
0: What's been the response with these companies you've worked with uh, and have you met any resistance?
1: Yeah, Um, I think, you know, in all honesty, it's like a lot of companies have been really excited to see something different. (laughs) Um, I think for we'll we'll talk to engineers and they'll have seen a lot of different technical interviewing solutions out there. Um, And I think all of them tend to kind of just be an automated version of the traditional interview um and so they're still highly theoretical they're still not necessarily assessing for the right things um and i think historically you know i i often tell this this story about when i i met this guy at a conference who was like oh you started a technical interviewing company you know my co-founder started a technical interviewing company before he worked with me um and he did it because he was like really into like technical math problem competitions. And that's often what these questions are. They're kind of these like mathy algorithm questions. Um, And he really liked those types of interviews. That's why he started the company. Is that why you started the company? And I started Bikeboard and I was like, no, (laughs) we started Bikeboard because these interviews, you know, caused us anxiety. We started Bikeboard because we felt like this wasn't a fair evaluation of you know, a candidate's ability. And I think when we walk into, you know, pitch rooms and we're, we're talking about what bikeboard is, we'll often have engineering leaders who are like, oh, yeah, this is the, this is what I'm actually mm. looking for in a candidate is if they can actually do the job, not if they can solve these theoretical questions. Um, and so I think there's kind of this like, like, it's very refreshing um, to see something new that is actually kind of a, a, um, a different approach than something that we've been doing for the last 20 years. So that's been really cool to see.
0: Do you have any testimonials from? interviewees about how much different yeah. this this experience yeah they're is.
1: my favorite uh, <laughs> i actually just like want to grab one for you um Please. they're they're like my actual absolute, absolute favorite let me let me pull up our pitch deck um but yeah i think literally yesterday i was going through some of our feedback and we saw one i think i sent it to my co-founder <laughs> let me run to our chat really quick um and i'll just read it to you um, we had one yesterday that i sent her and she was just like oh my god this is so amazing Um, we had a candidate said, this is a really, this is a really cool way of making this part of the interview process, this part of the interview process more accessible to me. Mm. So I really appreciate that. I think a tool like this allows engineers with ADHD and anxiety issues, um, that makes like interviewing difficult, um, shine anyway. Uh, which was like, Mm. I was like, this is such an amazing piece of feedback. Um, we also, we've had candidates say things like, you know, this, this interview experience, Um, like, actually taught me more about my strengths and weaknesses than any other interview I've done, Uh, which is really cool because we don't actually give candidates any feedback. So they're just, like, going through the interview experience and actually self-reflecting on things that they could do better. Um, And I think, obviously, that that's that's far more possible when, like, the things that you're doing are actually relevant to what you do on the job. Mm. Um, So that's been really cool. Um, and then, yeah, they're just going to have a lot, a lot of candidates that are like, this is the first, you know, it's just refreshing to have something that's actually related to the job. So a lot of really cool pieces. Yeah.
0: What are, what are your goals both within Byteboard and beyond?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think within Byteboard, I think we, we've always said that we want to, you know, actually, you know, make it such that the, the current type of interview is basically just doesn't exist anymore the traditional technical interview doesn't exist anymore that we move kind of all interviewing and hiring towards kind of skill based actually focused on what folks need to do on the job um and and i hope that that can actually have real impact in terms of um, actually, increasing diversity of, of mm-hmm. the workforce and, and ensuring that everyone has an equal opportunity to, to demonstrate their skills.
0: Sorry, on that note, do you have any stats on on how that's a, uh, affected the hiring process? Like, has it has it yeah. truly led to to equity in the?
1: Yeah. So, so we we have had companies, and I, I can't I can't share names, yeah, uh, no. but we have had companies say like they they've actually seen a huge increase in the percentage of candidates that are black. Latinx or, or women wow. or non-binary um, actually get hired. So it's it's really, really exciting. And then obviously we have just like really great anecdotal feedback. Um, we basically make sure that every single assessment before it gets launched um, actually is tested on a representative sample of candidates. So we make sure that we're seeing kind of equal candidate experience across demographic profiles. And that's just been really awesome to see that yeah. everyone is saying, this is a great technical interview experience. Mm. So yeah, exciting wow. results. Yeah.
0: Have you thought much beyond Byteboard? By
1: uh, I mean it's hard it's it's so funny I think like when you I think in Silicon Valley in particular there's the kind of this romanticization around like starting a company you're like oh I want to start a company and then you forget that like if it's successful you could be working on it for like the rest of your life <laughs> um, like it's, it's not just starting a company right it's starting a company and that's just literally the beginning right mm-hmm. then it's growing the company and 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 hoping that it you know has the opportunity to really kind of um, actually, meet its mission, and so um, I think it's it's hard to think beyond that, in all honesty. <laughs> um, and so I think I'm just excited to continue watching like, work grow, and then who knows, maybe maybe someday I'll I'll actually go to theater. We'll see, what? And, and then I'll be on your podcast again, and it'll be about like me going from tech into theater. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be great. I look
0: forward <laughs> to that one. I'm curious, what are the three? I mean, you have such a diverse experience from theater to computer science, starting your own company, what are three of the most valuable, valuable lessons that you've either been taught or learned along the way that have stuck with you?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that I think, especially with starting Byteboard, that I've learned is that like, I think quite often we, and you know, I talked about, you know, not thinking computer science was for me or kind of, you know, holding entrepreneurs on a pedestal and being like, I don't know if I can do that. And um, I think one of the things my co-founder and I talk a lot about is like, oh, like entrepreneurship is a test of, you know, will more than anything. <laughs> it's it's about like, are you willing to start and just like learn what you need to on the job and keep going and like, you know, go through the challenges and, and, and just like make your way. Um, and like, we can do it right there's nothing that we can't do and Mm. so i think um it's been really awesome to kind of like do this and and have the opportunity to partner with her in terms of like learning about like ourselves and our own capabilities and what we're our potential is and just being like no we can do anything it's just about like are we willing to actually Mm. you know put in the work to to make it happen um Mm. and so i think like one is just like not counting myself out and not saying like entrepreneurship isn't for me or that's too far away like that's too far beyond my grasp um i think that's definitely a huge one um i think i i think especially in the last year or so one of the things that's been like really cool to learn it's funny you said three so i'm like trying to think of a third one as i'm talking through this um but is like around like the importance of like authenticity Mm. um and basically like everything you do I don't know I'm a total perfectionist and I'm always like oh god if I make a mistake I'm like freaking about out about how do I like form the narrative around like the mistake I made versus just being like hey I made a mistake <laughs> uh, like and we're gonna do better next time in terms of like how we're leading our team or in my relationship with my co-founder or in we're, how we're talking to clients just being like hey like this this didn't go well and like we're gonna do better next time and we learn from it and like being more okay with like my own imperfections and like just being more authentic around like who I am and like showing up authentically in, in conversations. Like, I think that has been like huge (laughs) uh, for me in terms of a learning. Um, And then the third one, I, I really, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to find a third one, but I think, you know, I think it's, it's just been so cool. Like seeing the like, impact on relationships on this whole experience and like how important like the people it's like almost more important like who you're building the product with than like the actual product Mm. and so um, I think that's been a huge learning it's just like focusing on like making sure that like the like the team is in a good place and that we are working with amazing people and like all of those great things and really focusing in on making sure like our team is awesome. Like that has been, I think, a huge learning for me. I think we often focus on like the productivity and the entity and like the business and where it's at, but like the team is everything. Wow. Um, and my team is awesome. So,
0: Nicole, it's it's amazing. I'm big on this, and I've said this before quite often. I honestly, truly believe that every single person has the uh, unique ability to change the world, given the context with which they grew up and the experiences that they that they've had and their interests that they have. And it's so cool to see you who you know has this wonderful mix of everything that's happened to you and you're using those skills to truly change the world so um yeah this i mean it's it's just amazing what you've built and i think it's gonna leave an incredible impact um i think it's gonna have a wonderful effect. Uh, I hope it does and I hope more companies use this in their hiring processes because it's needed. Um, So for what it's worth, I want to thank you for what you've built. Uh, Keep pressing on. And, um, I'm just honored to, that you, that you took the time to sit down with me. It's a, it, it's,
1: I'm honored that you asked. Yeah. This is awesome. <laughs> no, this is
0: a real pleasure. So thank you. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much. Well, this is, this is a great time for me too. And I, I'm, I'm inspired by like what you're doing and, and just like, I've tried to start a podcast. It's really, really hard. The fact that you like have um, been doing this for years now is just like amazing to me. And I just feel so lucky to be a part of it. So thanks for inviting me on.
0: Well, thank you, Nicole.